and the story begins. Okay, friends, we are on the bottom of page eight. And we are going to explore today the priestly blessings, the blessings that the Kohanim, that a Kohen would give. Immediately after reciting the blessings of the Torah, there's three blessings that we recited that we learned in the middle of page eight. Immediately afterward, it's appropriate to study Torah, right? Before you make a bless, right after making the blessing prior to doing a mitzvah, you got to do the mitzvah. So you're not going to make a blessing of putting on the tefillin and then eventually put on tefillin. You put on tefillin right away, right? You're not going to eat a piece of challah, say hamotzi. You're not going to say hamotzi and then eventually eat challah at some time today. Eat the challah right away, right? There's we minimize interruption. As soon as we make the blessings of the Torah, we immediately study Torah, and we quote both scriptural verses from the Torah. Afterwards, we quote teachings from a Mishnah. Today, we're going to discuss these scriptural verses, what their significance is, how it's relevant to us here and now in 2020. Next time, next week, we'll discuss the Mishnah, the Mishnahic teaching, which is in the middle of page nine. Okay, let's let's read this together. Let's read the prayer together in the English, and then we'll discuss its context and see what it means to us. And the, this is, again, this is from the book of Numbers from Bamidbar. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus shall you bless the children of Israel. Say to them the following, top of page 9, The Lord bless you and guard you. The Lord makes his countenance shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you and grant you peace. And they shall set my name upon the children of Israel and I shall bless them. Okay, from here is a biblical command for the Kohanim to bless the people of Israel on a daily basis. Right? And in the times of the temple, this would take place literally every day in the Beit HaMikdash. In the actual Beit HaMikdash, there was a special duchan, a, um, like a stage, where the Kohanim would stand. And there, they would chant these blessings. And by the way, they use the same exact tune that we use to this day. Ah, yeah, 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 that we do on, on the holidays. I'm not sure where they got it from. How do they know that we use that tune? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> But they, they use that same exact tune. And that tune has been passed down from generation to generation. It's a powerful tradition. And the, the question is, why are we reciting this blessing? After um, the blessings of the Torah, why not a verse that is more broadly applicable? This is great if you're a Kohen. <laughs> But for us, regular, any Sharon, you're a Cohen, right? Or you're married to a Cohen? Um, I'm a Cohen, but I'm a girl Cohen. So it doesn't have all the privileges of being a man Cohen. But but you still have, it's it's in the blood. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm you're, privileged, yeah. <laughs> your husband's a Cohen. So it, it, yeah, He's a Cohen, yeah. Yeah. So the, this is something that's relevant to a Cohen. A Cohen has a mitzvah to bless the Jewish people. 
Um, a Gokoin as well? A Gokoin does not have that responsibility. Uh, just no. checking. She has to... <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, but to, to be clear, every, every Jew, and the truth is a human being, but every Jew has the power to bestow a blessing. But a Kohen has a responsibility to bestow the formal blessing with this formal text. It's not just a, any standard. Specifically, the blessing at, with this text in Hebrew, Kohen has this responsibility. In Ashkenazic tradition, we do this every holiday during Musaf, right? Mike, you've done it before. You've led it before, right? On Musaf, during, uh, toward the end of the Amidah, the Kohanim go up. And so if, you, if for us Ashkenaz Jews, we only do this several times a year. Sephardic Jews have the tradition, as was the tradition in the times of the temple, of doing it every day. So if you go to a Sephardic shul, the Kohanim are going to get up in the middle of the service every day, even during a regular Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, weekday prayer, they're going to get up and, and do the bracha of the Kohanim. Okay, why Ashkenazim don't do it, well, only do it on Yom Tov, why Sephardim do it every day is another question for another time. In Israel, um, especially in Jerusalem, I think pretty much everybody does it every day. But that's a separate discussion for another time, and we will get there when we discuss this later in the Amida in uh, who knows how long from now. <laughs> but our question at hand right now is we recited the blessings of the Torah. Great, let's study the Torah. And we study, we recite these blessings that are seemingly not generic or broadly applicable to us regular taxpayers. And why? Why not use a more generic prayer? Uh, the Shema, that would be a great way to, you know, that, that's pretty universal to all Jews. Or uh, love your fellow as yourself. I don't know, something more generic. Okay, there's three explanations, and each of them are meaningful in their own right. Each of them provide perspective into what we're doing here with the sitter. I, I, I just I find this to be so important because whether or not we spend a lot of time with the sitter, every single prayer is a, is a meditation, is something to think about as a message. And it's there for us to recite so we can internalize that message. So number one, where does prayer come into the picture of Judaism? There is a biblical commandment to pray when you need things. And there is no template for that prayer. Talk to God, praise God, ask him for your needs. At some point, the sages established a structured prayer. But when did that happen? That happened after the first temple was destroyed and there were no more offerings. There were no more sacrifices. Prayer essentially is a replacement of sacrifices we cannot bring. As soon as, right before the daily sacrifice, which prayer is resembling, that's the point in time where the Kohanim would get up in the temple on this platform, on this stage, and chant the bracha of the Kohanim, bless the Jewish people. We're replicating that service every morning. We're about to bring our sacrifice to God. We're about to serve God. We're about to bring our animal to God, our animal soul to God as a sacrifice and pray, pour our heart out, communicate and talk. 
Before doing so, remember we're here to serve. We're like a Kohen. Even if we're not specifically from the tribe of the Kuna, we still have that Kohen quality as a Jew that we're here to serve. Similarly, you know, one of the reasons why we wash our hands in the morning, we learned earlier prior to prayer, is so that we can, um, we're like serving God in the in the temple, right? Before you do the korban, you, the Kohen would wash their hands. There was this special uh, water basin to uh, last week's Torah portion or two weeks ago. I think it was last week's Torah portion, the the uh, the copper uh, basin, the kior, right? Before the Kohen would serve, he would wash his hands. Before we serve, we wash our hands. Before the Kohen would bring the sacrifices on behalf of the Jewish people, they would chant these blessings to the Jewish people. We are chanting these blessings because we're about to serve God. We're about to bring our sacrifice. It's a reminder. Next time you recite this, think about, imagine yourself as a Kohen. And whether we are from the tribe of Kauna or not, or have the rights or responsibilities of a Kauna or not, Maimonides rules in his Jewish code of law that even if we're not formally part of the Kohen um, clan, if you will, we can informally be a Kohen. Commit to serving God on behalf of the Jewish people, and you're, you're like a Kohen. You're not going to have the responsibilities, the formal responsibilities of the Kohen, but you have the Kohen quality. And before we serve God like this Kohen, Bless the Jewish people. Chant this blessing. That's explanation number one. Explanation number two. It's a good way to start the day. <laughs> you just said the blessings of the Torah. Which passage of the Torah should you first begin with? Something that has to do with blessings. Right? It, it's almost insinuating that we want our studies to be a blessing. Studying Torah is such a core value in Judaism because we study not just to know what was or what to do in the future, but studying itself is considered to be meaningful. That's why we try to study as much Torah as possible. We make time to do it consistently. That's why Torah study is not a... Uh, something that is reserved for clergymen or for rabbis. It's for every single Jew to engage in their relationship with God. And we want it to be a blessing. We want it to be pleasant. If you remember um, in, the prior, in the prior blessing, we said, God, make it sweet, make it pleasant. In this prayer, in the, and sorry, in this sequence of verses that we quote on the bottom of page eight, there are commentaries explain there are 60 letters. Total of 60 letters. Who's going to count? Okay, you can count after. Just trust me. I, I didn't actually count, but this is what I read. <laughs> so hopefully it's true. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's a sequence of 60 letters. What's the, what is the uh, resemblance of 60 in Judaism? The amount of Talmudic tractates. There are 60 Talmudic tractates which is considered to be the, um, that's not where studying begins or ends, but it definitely is a core part of Torah study, of Talmud, because that's where you really understand um, the nitty-gritty details of Judaism. And the point is, we want our Torah study, even the nitty-gritty details of Judaism, to be a blessing. Okay, before we move on to number three, 
Any um any questions, comments, thoughts, reflections? Just a quick question. Yeah. Um this commandment to say these three Cohen blessings. Um was it was this before the um tabernacle was built or after? Okay, good question. So the commandment for the Cohen to do it was uh, chronologically after the tabernacle was was built, um, I believe. Um, the command and and the commandment still stands. When we hear the when the Cohen blesses us on the holidays, you know when we that's usually when we do it. Um, they're fulfilling that biblical command, and for our Sephardic brethren. They're doing that command on a daily basis. For us, we're not actually doing a mitzvah of because we're not a Kohen and you know we're not we don't have a minion. It's not the context, but we're just reciting those blessings as a form of Torah study. So it's not tied into a temple or a tabernacle. Correct. To, correct. Correct. Okay, no. In the temple, and I assume in the tabernacle as well, there was a designated place for them to perform this service. But it's a mitzvah that applies even post-temple. There are certain mitzvahs that apply only during the temple time. This is one of those mitzvahs that applied during the temple and was certainly um, weaved into the service of and sacrifices of the temple, but it's still applicable post-temple. Yeah, good question. Uh, how do we know that it's still applicable? So it's... There's nothing that would indicate that it's um, unique to the temple. You know, there was sacrifices. Theoretically, sacrifices are applicable as well. We don't have an altar. We don't have a temple. By default, it's not applicable. Uh, there's no, in other words, there's no reason why it shouldn't be applicable. Um, the, the, the default of a mitzvah is that it's applicable. Unless there's a situation where it's not. So you have a mitzvah to bring a Passover ram, Passover offering, right? Passover lamb, sorry. Well, we don't have a, we're not in Jerusalem. We don't have a altar. We don't have a temple. We don't even have access to that temple mount. Against our will, it's unapplicable. Um, but over here, it's not connected to any templates. There's no reason why it shouldn't be applicable. Okay, explanation number three. Take a look on, I'm going to read the, the, the bottom line on page eight. I want to read this line again because we have to, we have to peek a little bit deeper here because you're going to see something really cool. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them the following, the blessings, right? Give the Jewish people the blessings. So who has the responsibility to give the Jewish people these blessings? Aaron, who is the head honcho of the kahuna, the big kahuna, right? Like in Hawaii, the, <laughs> the big kahuna. Um, and his sons. What does sons mean? Okay, we're going to flip ahead to the Shema, and you'll soon see the reason for my madness. But flip to the Shema on page 
42. Um, the first paragraph of the Shema, where it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Right? I'll, I'll, let's read through the paragraph. You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your might. These words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them thoroughly to your children. You have a mitzvah to teach Torah to your children, right here in the Torah. Right? Now, the Talmud says, wait a minute. The Torah already says this later on. Take a look on the next page. One, two, three, four, five, six. 14 lines from the, from the top. Page 43. You shall teach them to your children. <laughs> it says it again. We have a, you know, the, the real estate in the Torah is very expensive. <laughs> the Torah doesn't repeat things for no reason. So the Talmud says, in one situation, it's talking about literal children. In the other verse, it's talking about students. Your students are your children. When you teach someone, I am your father here. Saint. No, okay. <laughs> when you teach someone, <laughs> when you teach someone Torah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Does that, Mike, does that one time a week where I just crack myself up? Okay. <laughs> when you teach someone Torah and they're your student, you become their parent. Perhaps the lesson is a teacher has to love their students, right? That's, a, that's, that's grounds for effective communication. But anyways, the point is, go back to our text on page eight. Speak to the Aaron and his sons. So there's two ways of interpreting the, the concept of being a son of Aaron, a child of Aaron. It could be literal or it could be figurative. What's a figurative son of Aaron, a student of Aaron? Okay, this is applicable. Who has to give this blessing? Who has to bless other people? Students of Aaron, not just children of Aaron. Okay, the biblical command on the most literal sense applies to the children of Aaron, the people from the Cohen lineage. But the, um, there's a homiletic interpretation here where there's significance. This could be applicable on some level to the students of Aaron. What's a student of Aaron? Okay, we're going to flip around again. To Pirkeavos, which is also in our book here. Chapter one of Pirkeavos, Ethics of Our Fathers, the ethical teachings of the Mishnah. It's chapter one, it's page 275. Um, no, it's not. Joking. It's page 272. Paragraph 12, Mishnah 12. Okay, you with me? The Mishnah instructs us to be a student of Aaron. How do you be a student of Aaron? Okay, take a look. Hillel and Shammai received the oral tradition from them. Hillel said, be of the disciples or of the students. That's the little translation of Aaron which means loving peace and pursuing peace, loving your fellow creatures, 
and bringing them near to your Torah. How do you be a child of Aaron, a.k.a. a student of Aaron? Be like Aaron, love peace. Aaron was a, a peace lover. Aaron was the oldest of three. There was Aaron, there was Miriam, and there was Moshe, there was Moses. Who became the leader of the Jewish people? Moses. What was Aaron's reaction? His little brother becoming the leader of the Jewish people, he was so proud. He wasn't jealous, he was proud. He was happy. He greeted his brother with a smile. He was, he was like the right-hand man, second to his little brother. And he was happy, he was a peace lover. He had no ego involved. We also know from Midrashim that when um, friends would have some sort of relational discord or when spouses would have a relational discord, Aaron would endeavor to make peace between them. He was the first MFT. <laughs> and he would endeavor to make peace between people. He was a peace lover. And the Mishnah tells us, be like a student of Aaron. Be a peace lover. Now, it takes a little bit of studiousness. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it, it, it's a, uh, diligence. There we go. It takes a little bit of diligence, academic diligence, or not just academic diligence, but um, it takes diligence to be a student of Aaron, to love peace. It doesn't come naturally. It's difficult. That's why we have to be a student. It's not just something we observe or follow. It's something we have to learn. It's something we have to train ourselves to do. If you look back in the Mishnah there, Aaron loved peace. He pursued peace. He didn't wait for peace to come to him. He loved his fellow creatures. You have certain people <clears throat> who have no redeeming uh, qualities. At least it doesn't seem that they do. Other than the fact that they're a creature, they're created by God. <laughs> it's the only good thing you could say about them. And Aaron was peaceful. Aaron loved them because they're created in the divine image nonetheless. He was able to look past the body and see the soul. This essentially is the whole Torah, right? Hillel would, you know, the story with Hillel who said, that's the whole Torah, the rest is commentary. You're familiar with the story, right? That, that Talmudic story. The rest, the, that is the whole Torah. Love your fellow. In other words, see the soul. Give priority to the soul over the body. So there can be love. That is the whole Torah, the rest is commentary. Because the whole Torah centers around giving priority to the soul. Realizing what is true in life and what is secondary in life. What is the blessing that a Kohen makes prior to fulfilling this mitzvah of blessing the Jewish people on a daily basis? Anybody know? Before doing a mitzvah, we make blessings, right? Just like before Torah study, we make a blessing. Before putting on tefillin or lighting Shabbat candles, we make a blessing. What is the blessing? What is the blessing that, how does the blessing finish? Okay, take a look on page 351. I know we're jumping all over the place here, but take a look on page 351. It's on the bottom of the page. Right before the Kohen fulfills this blessing, he's standing on the stage on the Dulchan. I'm about to bless the Jewish people. T take a look, 351. God has commanded us with the sacredness of Aaron. And has commanded us to bless the nation of Israel with love. 
The blessing must be done with love to the extent that if a Cohen is feeling some sort of negative emotion in his heart against anybody, he's not allowed to go up there and give the blessings. He has to come down. Because it must be done with love. The Cohen must be done. The, the, the essence of a Cohen is love. Several weeks ago, we had a class that explored the, the, the mystical dimension of, of, of human nature, of humans. The Kabbalah of people, the Kabbalah of men, the Kabbalah of women. You remember that class that we had? And because we explored the Kabbalah, because there's a Kabbalistic significance and definitions to human nature, different people are going to have different responsibilities. And that's why men and women are different in Judaism, had different roles in Judaism. That was, we had that class a couple of weeks ago. The Kabbalah of the Kohen is chesed, the divine channel of kindness. That's why their job is to bless, is to draw down blessings. Uh, the Levi, it represents discipline. A whole another discussion for another time. But the point is, the essence of a Kohen is benevolence, is kindness, is love. And we can be a child of Aaron. We could be a student of Aaron, if you will. And bless each other with love. That's the whole point in Torah. And that's why we recite these verses right after the blessings of the Torah. The whole point of Torah is to bring peace and love to the world. God created this roadmap, this vision for humanity that is supposed to create unity, not divisiveness. And we have the ability to be children of Aaron. I, I, I do want to point out that the blessing is not coming from the Kohen. The blessing is coming through the Kohen. In other words, God is blessing the Jewish people. The Kohen serves as that divine channel. Which is why it says on the second paragraph of page nine, I know we're jumping all over the place, and they shall set my name upon the children of Israel, and I shall bless them. I referring to God. The Kohen is saying this, but it's God. Because the Kohen is merely just that divine channel. And that's why if you have a minion of just Kohanim, you have nine Kohanim and one Israelite, <laughs> they're still going to do the blessing. They're all going to get up and bless that one Jew because they're part of the blessing. They're blessing themselves too because it's really just coming from God. Okay. What we're going to do now is we're going to tear apart this blessing line by line because there was some deeper meaning and significance to the blessing itself now that we understand the context of the blessing. But before we move forward, any questions, comments, thoughts, reflections? Uh, two quick ones. So, so... In your example, like if there was nine Kohanim and one Israelite, well, even if there was 10 Kohanim, wouldn't, I mean, they're still blessing themselves, right? Right. I, I don't know if they would do it at that point. Um, I don't know one way or another. It could be. Okay. Um, oh, and I, don't, I don't have the answer. That's okay. Uh, and the second one, um, I'm, sh I'm sure this has to be implied, but you haven't actually specifically mentioned it, but speak to Aaron and to his sons. You know, my first thought was, okay, well, students didn't cross my mind, so thank you on that one. Um, of course, children did, and, and children implies um, uh, the, the heirs of Aaron throughout time, 
and 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 that's and that really uh when i first read speak to aaron and to his sons i was thinking okay um uh all of the descendants who would be responsible for uh the these blessings throughout throughout time right okay right correct and i mean anybody who's from the any son the, on, on the literal level the biblical command of doing this mitzvah is any male that is from the cohen lineage which it, it's pretty fascinating that somebody can trace their lineage so far back you know thousands of years it's it's pretty incredible so you said there were uh, three reasons why we say it i only have two written down okay so number one was it's um, just as it was recited in the temple times prior to sacrifices, we're about to offer a sacrifice, our prayers, our animals mm. through our, you know, giving our animal souls. So we're going to recite it like that Cohen that would do it before. That's number one. Number two, it's starting Torah study with blessings. The first Torah, we, the, the first words of Torah we want to utter after reciting the blessings prior to Torah would be that of blessings. And that's why there's 60, 60 letters corresponding to the 60 tractates, which be with a blessing, even if it seems nitty-gritty or technical, to be enjoyable and meaningful. And number three, this is broadly applicable because although we're not literal or biological sons of Aaron, so the literal command doesn't apply to all of us, we can be like sons of Aaron, students of Aaron, the sages the sages of the Talmud considered those who were students to be like children. So we could be students of Aaron and follow his path of bringing love and unity to the world through the Torah. Okay. Take a look on page nine. The meat of the blessing has three verses. And we'll, we'll go through each verse fairly quickly. I'll read it in the Hebrew and I'll translate it in English. Um, I just, I like the Hebrew better, but anyways, Hashem. Hashem will bless you. God will bless you. And will guard you, will protect you. The commentaries, the biblical commentaries explain that there's a commentary known as the Or HaChayim. Has anybody heard of the Or HaChayim? The Or HaChaim is one of the classic biblical commentaries. Um, just to give historical context, context, he postdated Rashi. There's different commentaries, and different commentaries have different styles in their commentarying, 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 no, okay, and their commenting styles. <laughs> so you have Rashi. Rashi is one of the most well-known. Rashi is very simple, sticks to the literal meaning of the verse. You have others that focus on more halachic interpretations. The Or HaChayim focuses a lot on Kabbalah, focuses a lot on homiletic interpretation as well. And here's what's fascinating about his interpretation or how his book came, uh, came, came about. He used to study Torah with his daughters. And he would teach the Torah to his daughters. And he realized, I should write this down, <laughs> And eventually, he turned his study sessions with his daughters into a book, into the Orachayim. And that, that's where the, the Orachayim came about. The Art Scroll 
publications recently came out with the Or HaChaim in English. It's not an easy commentary always, but there's a lot of meaningful insights that, that you can glean from it. Anyways, the Or HaChaim explains, what does it mean God will bless you and God will guard you? God will give you so much blessing to the point that he's going to need to give you protection <laughs> because you just got so much. You're going to, you know, if you don't have anything to lose, you know, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> there's been apparently a lot of break-ins in my parents' neighborhood, um, especially on their street. It wasn't like that when I was a kid. It was a relatively safe area, but the neighborhood has, has shifted. And there's been a lot of break-ins in their neighborhood. And my, my mother says, we were just in, in L.A. last week. My mother says, our neighbor, our house is the only one that hasn't been broken on our entire street. So I said, are you proud or offended? I don't know. Isn't that offensive? <laughs> I was just teasing, but if we're so blessed, God has to give us protection. So God is essentially saying, you're going to be so blessed that you're going to need protection, and I'm going to give you that protection. Okay. Next, next verse. It's the last word of the first line on verse um, in English on nine or on um, in the Hebrew, it's the middle of the middle of the line, the second verse. Ya'er Hashem, God will illuminate to you, panav, his face. I'm translating it just literally. He will make his countenance shine, elecha, to you. God will make his countenance shine to you, his face. The Hebrew word is panav, which literally means his face. God is going to make his face shine toward you. What does that mean? Isn't God everywhere? Why does God need to shine his face to you? He's everywhere, right? We, still, we spoke a lot about this in our Tanya classes. Right, God isn't is, this uh, relative to like um, him turning away from you? So, you know, if, uh, if he's facing you, you're receiving his full blessings. Right. In other words, we're experiencing it. In re there's, there's this um, dissonance or discord between, our, between reality and our experience. In reality, God is everywhere. Experientially, we say he's in heaven. He's about somewhere else. <laughs> well, he's going to illuminate us. He's going to shine our face to us. Um, often what happens is when we do things that are antithetical to God's will, we contribute toward building this wall between us and God. Note I said between us and God, not between God and us. Nothing can separate between God and us, but between us and God, our perspective, we do things to kind of, you know, life happens. And if we're not intentional, we can, we, we can grow apart. So the Kohanim bless us with love and they say, God is going to illuminate his face to you. And there, and the result of that, He'll be gracious to you. Anybody familiar with the Hebrew term chain? Say this person has chain. This person has like, this person has grace. Certain people, they're just, they just shine. They're just illuminate. You see it on their they, face. They usually say chain v'chesed. Chain v'chesed, yes. Right? Grace and, grace and kindness. You see the chain on their face. When Moses came down the mountain the second time, 
the second tablets after the Jews have sinned. It says last week's Torah portion, right? The end of the portion, it says his face was illuminating. His face was shining. He had to wear a mask because it was just blinding to people. One of the reasons why people think Jews have horns is because the Hebrew word for radiance can also mean horn. So when Michelangelo was apparently painting or, or whatever he was doing, creating this Moses uh, artwork, did it with horns. So that, that's where the, the myth was born from. Anyways, I, I, I just heard, I, I heard a beautiful insight, and it's not fully relevant to what we're saying here, but I have to share it. Moses came down the mountain with the tablets. He sees the Jewish people sinning. He breaks the tablets. He beseeches God to forgive the Jewish people. He goes up with a second pair of tablets. He, sorry, he comes down with a second pair of tablets, and he's shining, right? He's illuminating. Why wasn't he illuminating the first time before the sin? Why was it only time number two that he illuminated and was shining? The first time he was teaching Torah to the Jewish people. The second time he prayed on behalf of the Jewish people. He was shining. The way we become illuminated, the way we get chen, chen v'chesed, is by praying for other people. And people pick up on this. You create an energy. When we allow God to illuminate us through love, through the Kohanim, people pick up on this. We create a positive, sacred environment. Let's take a look at the final verse. On page uh, on the Hebrew, it's the second line. On the, the English, it's the middle of the third line. Isa Hashem. God will lift Panav, his face, his countenance, Elecha to you. God is going to turn to, to, in English, it says turn. Okay, the literal translation is lift. Isa means to lift. God is going to lift his countenance to you. The first time he's going to illuminate his countenance to you. Which means there's not going to be any separation between you and God. The second time we reiterate, even if you did something that is going to build separation between you and God. You stumbled, you sinned, you did something wrong, you did something you probably shouldn't have. God is still going to shine upon you. He's still going to give you these blessings. As long as we're open to them. As long as we're open to the Kohanim. And perhaps if we emulate the Kohanim, we give these blessings to other people with love. And then finally, the last three words, V'yasem l'cha shalom, he will place to you, he'll give to you peace. Peace is where blessings are found. None of these blessings can happen without peace. When there's strife, when there's, neg when there's, when there's relational discord, there cannot be divinity. This week's Torah portion is Vayak Hehel. Moses gathers the Jewish people and tells them how to build the, the tabernacle, how to build a home for God. It's the only time in the Torah where Moses formally gathers the Jewish people. He, sp he speaks to the Jewish people myriads of times. But it's the only time in the Torah, the only time in the Torah where he formally gathers them is when it comes to the tabernacle. You want to build a tabernacle? You want to build a home for God? You have to be gathered together. There has to be peace. Peace is the channel for which these blessings can come down.
Right afterward, we say the, the two-liner, second, uh, second paragraph on nine, and they shall set my name upon the children of Israel, and I shall bless them. If we have peace, then God says, I will bless them. Right? These two sentences correlate. I'm going to give you peace, and now I can bless you. And specifically through peace that this takes place. Okay, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs>